All right, Dave, we're back. Back for another episode. We had to talk about the Vanita show, right? Oh, yeah. 50th anniversary. It's a big anniversary. The golden anniversary, right? I think so, yeah. So the golden anniversary of the Sunshine Daydream show, The Field Trip in Vanita, Oregon. We have a very special guest for this. Jonathan, a.k.a. J.M. Hart. You know him from so many things. We're going to give him a proper intro on the other side of this. But um, yeah, I just wanted to quickly say hello. We're happy to be back on your podcast feeds. And I think without further ado, we should just kick it to the interview, right? Yeah, let's go. Let's get on with the show. Let's go. Um, our guest today is the host of, among other things, The Broke Down Podcast, a great show about the music of the Grateful Dead and artists who are literally and sometimes just spiritually related, um, as well as the Helping Friendly Podcast and Undermine, two other great shows, both about fish. All three can be found on the Osiris Network of podcasts and shows. Additionally, he's a great songwriter and musician. His latest album, Slips, Trips, and Falls, is available at J.M. Hart, H-A-R-T, bandcamp.com or you can go to rojimmy.net where you can find all of his music all of his solo releases from years past jonathan aka jm hart welcome to the show we're so happy to have you thank you i'm excited to be here you really like did your research i don't even tell people about that website it's just out there dude well we, we can take it out but i've been loving <laughs> no, it's I've, fun i've been listening to slip strips and falls this week and there was a weird moment of synchronicity last night because the opening track starts with sounds of water which is very soothing and a great way to start a record, I think. And I went to see Jack Johnson last night, um, who I really like and put on a really good show. And that's how he started his concert. And oh, in wow. my head, I was like, wow, this is two nights in a row that I'm going to be talking with a musician who found some connection with, you know, water sounds as a good way to start us off on this musical journey. So I think there's some, some synchronicity going on. Yeah. I, I kind of thought it tied in with the grim song about, you know, uh, woman waiting on the rocks for a husband a whaler who was never coming back <laughs> it does it yeah. fits nicely and then you get you get into the lyrics and it's like oh this makes sense i like this i like where, where he went <laughs> with this so yeah great record uh everyone should check that out it's it's a really good one and you have a bunch of other music on there that uh is enjoyable to listen to i guess actually you. to keep going down that road just for a second before we get into the grateful dead we're, we're gonna get there um <laughs> But I'm curious who you would credit as your like main influences as as a recorded artist because your music is is it's it's not like the Grateful Dead um, in many ways um, and I, I really enjoy it but it has more of I don't know I, I listened to it and I was like there's more like Dylan than the Dead in this if you were gonna go for maybe one of their contemporaries but who who do you think of as your kind of main influences Dylan is huge. Um... Robert Hunter is huge. I don't write like Robert Hunter. I don't write like Dylan either, uh, of course. But when I met Robert Hunter once in 93, you know, I told him he was huge influence on me. One of my favorite songwriters right, right there with Bob Dylan. And he looked at me and he said, without Bob Dylan, none of us would be here. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you know, guys like that. And then I also listened to just a lot of like, I don't know, like British folk, Fairport convention and 
some of their songwritings and just like old folk songs and things sometimes kind of feed what I do. And then Neil Young, oh. you know, I, I, I collect songs. I have a mm -hmm. big record collection and about, uh, I don't know, 70% of it is like song-based music. Maybe mm -hmm. not quite that much. Cause I also like weird jams and just weird music too, <laughs> um, which starting to creep into what I do, but it's not really the focus of what I do. Interesting. Yeah. I read a, a blog post that you put on your website of like your favorite albums of the year from a couple of years ago. And I was like, I don't recognize a lot of these albums. And that's probably <laughs> a sign that this is a man with a deep and broad taste in music. There's a lot of different genres reflected in that list. Yeah. I mean, I think you can get that uh, from the broke down pod too, because I spend yeah. far more time talking to people who are not really connected to Grateful Dead other than that they hopefully maybe like Grateful Dead um, but their music is far afield yeah like I said maybe spiritually connected um, yeah maybe, maybe like you it's like poking around in the ether when they're creating songs or just you know all those influences of music that you love when you're making music it all creeps in and in one way or another even if it doesn't necessarily come out in the way the music sounds um, it's still right. in your DNA right yeah and a lot of those folks they have um, you know they're big improvisational musicians, mm -hmm. which I'm not <laughs> something I mostly for one reason, I, I do a lot of my music strictly by myself or remote recorded with a few other people, but they're all, a lot of them are very heavy into serious improv. And, uh, that's one of the key ties to Grateful Dead. Yeah. Even, even if they're not a fan, I've had a couple people who aren't really even fans, but I can relate this and that because I'm a fan and I hear mm. where they connect. Yeah, that makes sense. So last question about slips, trips and falls before I move off it. Where did the album art come from? That's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's a local guy here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. His name is uh, Shannon. He goes by Shansky as he asked me to put on the record. Um, he's an artist. He's a musician too, but he makes, uh, you know, like he makes postcards and sends them out to all his friends. And this is just, one of the recent ones that I'm showing you here. It, and, you know, I ran into him at a friend's house and I said, Hey, would you be interested? I gave him an early, poorly mixed version of the album. And he came back with this beautiful, big square piece of paper uh, that he hand drew. And it's, yeah, um, I'm honored to have his work on there. It's, it's great. It, it suits it too. It's, it's cool to, you know, as you're looking at that while you're listening to it on Bandcamp, it's like this, just this fits. So yeah, yeah credit cool. to Shansky. Good job by him. <laughs> uh, one of Dave's good friends is uh, also Shannon, uh, Shan dog though. So close, <laughs> but not, not exactly the same. <laughs> Probably a very different generation. <laughs> <laughs> Spiritually connected, kind of like you were talking about before. There you go. There you yeah. Go. Okay, so let's talk about the Grateful Dead. So the the reason why you're on here, I'm happy to say, is to talk about the 50th anniversary of the Vanita Show, eight twenty seven seventy two. We're so happy to talk to you about it. Uh, we mentioned that we were going to do this on Twitter, and you said I've got some thoughts on this show, <laughs> and we said we'd love to have you on. And so you said, sure, let's do it. And and now here we are. We're going to talk Vanita. We're Vanita. We're not going to talk about the uh, canceled Santa Barbara show from the same day. <laughs> 
No, <laughs> no, I don't think that. I mean, we could go down a tangent on that, or we could talk about you know any number of specific things from Vanita, the naked pole guy, um, any any number of things. But I think we're going to talk about the concert itself. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good deal. Um. So, uh, I guess I should say because we're going to release this probably tomorrow or Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday, the twenty second. Um. So when you're hearing this, you probably will have already listened to the first episode of the Good Old Grateful Dead cast about this show. If you haven't, it was awesome. They talked about a lot of the background of the Springfield Creamery and kind of just what was going on in this part of the world and this community when this concert happened. So if you're looking for great background, go check them out. Excellent. Couldn't recommend it any more highly. Deep background from those guys. They're they're killing it. I, I can't even... I can't even begin to touch the stuff they're doing. It's so good and very entertaining. Yeah, it's great. It's like you don't even think that you would necessarily want to know about like yogurt and the Springfield Creamery. And then the way they present it, it's like it's like any other good piece of like documentary art where you're like, I didn't know I needed to know this. And now it feels somehow essential that I do. (laughs) Plus, you get Huey Lewis. Yeah, which was fantastic yeah so yeah. That, that was great um okay so anyway go go check them out for some background we're going to be mostly talking about the show and before we started recording jonathan you mentioned that you've had many versions of this show over the years one thing that you said on a very you know not very old episode of the broke down pod but you were talking with a new york city dj about the dead in oregon um i remember listening to this a while back that's and jeff conklin jeff conklin great great have on the on the pod that episode both of those episodes are really good but one of the things you said was this is I think you said this was one of the first tapes that you got and like really deeply connected with is that true yeah I, I mean I probably in my first 50 to 100 tapes and yeah. you know there were a number that I really got into but this was the one like and I just had like one tape that had one side had the dark star El Paso see me back home and for a while, I thought that was where the show ended. And the other side, I think, had, you know, it had set two. Or maybe it didn't even have all a set two. I can't even remember at this point. I've had it. I had a couple of different cassette versions because I upgraded and then later got the whole thing. And and uh, and I had the, the a really high-gen VHS copy of the movie that I got in the early 90s, which uh, had a really bizarre re-edit of ron and nancy's like white house you know speech about just say no recut to say just say yes that was hilarious um yeah you learned how much nancy liked crack cocaine in that video um (laughs) and and then like a live stanley jordan performance on the after that on the tape uh which he just played with phil not too long ago so it's kind of full circle and then they finally released it and yeah, I think I had it on, you know, CDRs and stuff before that, you know, in that time as well. But then I remember where I was when they announced that they were putting it out. Do tell. That's how important this is to me. I mean, it's not a, like a, a fascinating story. I was, I was, you know, like chaperoning one of my kids' trips to the zoo. We got on the bus to go come home from from the National Zoo in Washington D.C. And I checked my my phone, my little like a BlackBerry or whatever I had at the time, and like. Oh my God. I started texting friends and you know, they're going to put out the movie. Finally, they're going to put it out on on CD and DVD and they're going to put the movie in the theaters. And it was just the biggest news of the year for me, I think. And yeah, I've I've got goosebumps about that moment. I was so excited to see it because I've been for years 
if you go back and look at my Twitter, you'll find tweets at Dave Lemieux. There are emails that I sent years ago, like, why are we not releasing this guys? You know, and, uh, and I know why, right. The original theory was that their guitars were out of tune and maybe they didn't play so well. It's all bull. Yeah. It's all bull. Mm-hmm. The yeah. tuning maybe true. Uh, maybe a little bit. I think Bob <laughs> says at one point, but the heat's doing some weird things to our guitars up here. Besides well, that now staring into the sun will do that to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I really appreciate that background. So did you see it in theaters when the grateful dead of the movies, when that was oh, the yeah. film? Absolutely. <laughs> and what was wouldn't the, missed it for nothing. What was that experience like? Uh, you know, I'll, I've been to a few of those like dead at the, the movies kind of things. And they're, they're fun. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, probably akin to going to like a Marvel movie opening, except people are probably a little bit more chill and probably a higher percentage of people smoking weed or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, no, that I, I think, especially with that movie, because that unlike, I guess maybe other, well, no, a lot of their movies are mostly about the music, like uh, the sunshine daydream film where it's like, it's not lots of interviews. A little bit more. There's yeah. Um, and so it's just, especially once they start playing, it's just all music all the way with cool visuals and, you know, weird animals and things like that going on too, especially during dark star. All right. I have so many questions about Vanita. So where do we begin? Um, actually, I guess I want to, go back just a little bit higher level first, because what we're going to do is we're going to draft the songs from the Vanita set list. I was looking for kind of an interesting format that would lead us to talk about most of the songs. And I think that this will, but before we do that, when we interview people, we usually like to do a little bit of a background. You have talked a a lot about your kind of history as a deadhead and your love of the music. So I don't think we need to do that much, but I would like to do what Dave and I call the lazy lightning round. Just going to throw some questions (laughs) at you kind of a lightning round, but it's lazy lightning. You can give us a couple sentences, a couple paragraphs, not a rush to get through. Um, so, uh, do you have a favorite dead studio album? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> what about at the moment? Is there one that's clicking with you? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of go back and forth, uh, between like the working man's beauty kind of vibe, or the Oxmoxa anthem thing, which is only half studio album, anyways, right? Maybe three right. quarters studio album. Um, it depends on if I want to get weird or not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, what about a favorite official live release, or is is this Vanita show? I mean, yeah, the, it's this one now. Uh, yeah. I I think early on probably. Before they went like whole hog into these things, you know, without a net and one from the vault, probably. Yeah. But both so now good. it's just miles and miles of great releases. Yeah. We're very spoiled. It's it's we actually are. pretty crazy. Is there a live show, and maybe it's Vanita, that you've listened to you think the most of any show over the years? It's gotta be Vanita. <laughs> uh, there's a couple others. Like I talk about them a lot on the show. This is from spring 78 that I, I go to a lot that uh, like William and Mary 415 and Huntington 416. They are right there for me, but not, not for like the objective greatness. Mm-hmm. They're like just sentimental subjective favorites that I really love. Yeah. I love that William and Mary show too. That whole run, the Duke show, the Duke university show from yes. that stretch too is killer. 
I think that that's my favorite U.S. Blues. And I mean, just that whole run, I think is phenomenal. It's one of the first Broke Down Pod episodes I talked about that run. It's, um, I, I, I just had to get to it right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Is there a show that you remember when you were going to it, when you were seeing the dead live that you remember being like particularly excited to see? Uh, I mean, all of them, but I think that the ones that stand apart for, I think probably obvious reasons when I first went to California, it was 95, but I, you know, flew out for the Mardi Gras shows in Oakland, objectively not the best shows I ever saw, but a distinct experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. Nice. Um, what about a, so because you also talk a lot about fish, is there a fish show that you went to that you were the most excited to see or that you remember leaving and just being like, oh my, I can't believe I just saw that. <laughs> There's been a few of those too. Um, I'll just throw the big card and say Providence 94, probably one of those, you know, that Pretty was good that was pretty good <laughs> and you knew it yeah 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 um okay uh dave i know that you're having uh wi-fi issues down there but while we have you do you have any lazy lightning questions um i think we do did we do first live dead show oh no rfk 91 6 91 view from the vault um, too right uh one or that's... two one of those yeah, yeah. um Good show. Yeah, good show. Objectively, the best I saw. Really? Probably. Yeah. I, and it lives on video now. So we can see what it looked like. And those guys, I, I got to say, I've watched that show. They look like happy and healthy up there. Like it's, I, I've seen the RFK show. We talked about the RFK show, Dave, actually from 90. Um, and they look like they're in worse shape in 1990 um, somehow. You see them in 91 and with um, Vince and Bruce in the mix, it's like, there's just like some spirit and some gusto to the way that they, the way they look and the way they're playing. I think Bruce uh, triggered Jerry in a good way, you know, brought some good creative energies out from him. Mm -hmm. uh, Summer 90 is good stuff. Uh, Jerry and Brent were maybe not their healthiest. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. So was the last concert you went to fish at uh, the amphitheater in Raleigh? Uh, yeah, actually it was, um, until next two weeks from now when I'll go see more fish, actually. Nice. Where are they going to be two weeks from now? Uh, that'll be at Dick's. Actually, oh, I get nice. to see Taper's Choice the first night before the Dick's run. Right on. That will be fun. We'll be hosting a little thing, uh, at the Larimer Lounge in Denver on the 31st. Very Come cool. If you're out there. Yeah, I'm going to be there like three days later. My wife is a big Nine Inch Nails fan, and so we're going to see them at Red Rocks on uh, Labor Day weekend. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I feel like that's either going to be an artist at a venue where it's like, this is really amazing, or it's going to be like, this doesn't fit. You know, it could go either way, I think. <laughs> I'd like to think he's got a production that will make it quite a thing. Yeah, I would think so too. Yeah, he I knows hope. what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, have you, you, I assume you've been to Red Rocks. Have you, do you have any memorable shows have, there while we're on this? I have not been to Red Rocks. Wow. And I'm not going this time when I'm in Denver because I want to go for a show. Yeah. And I want to just like stroll up in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, I want to, uh, so at some point. Yeah. Fair enough. At some point though. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. A couple other lazy lightning questions. 
Is there a dead song that you think you've examined the most closely over the years? Maybe I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. You know, there are like certain performances that I know inside and out for certain songs, but you know, is there one that I could say, well, in these versions, they did it this way. And maybe it comes and goes that stuff doesn't stick around in my brain as yeah. long as it used to back in the day. <laughs> That's fair. Are you the type of person who you're, favorite dead song one day might be completely different the next day um and so on and so forth or do you have like a, a favorite song yeah no i think i have a favorite song um i don't know what it is <laughs> um <laughs> no i'm kind of kidding um it there's probably just a little eight like a handful of songs that are peak you know um we're going to get to some of them a little bit later in this episode. Okay. So, All right. Uh, so keep listening, not, people. <laughs> not in this episode uh, among them would be Road Jimmy um, and Althea. Oh, yeah. Two oh, of my I got, favorites as well. I got two Road Jimmy heads here with me. That's one of, <laughs> that's one of Alex's favorite songs, too. Right on. I love it. I, I just started learning how to play the drums, and that's a fun one when you're just starting to learn to play around with because it's just an kind of an odd drum beat but it's a, a fun one to play and different from like the traditional kind of straight ahead rock and roll beat that you typically learn at the beginning there's a great little uh bluegrass dead cover band here in fredericksburg virginia for a while and I, they might still be around the guys are at least um and i used to go see them kind of regularly and i would ask them to play row jimmy and they played it once or twice and then i'd come back and ask them to play Rue Jimmy and like, uh, we didn't practice it. And one time I'm sitting at the bar between sets with one of the, with the mandolin player. And he's like, look, man, we try to play that song, but it's just got a weird rhythm. We can't quite fit. And I was like, that's because it's like this, like half reggae shuffle. Yes, exactly. And, and when it, when it hits, it swings. When it doesn't, well, it'll fall like a ton of bricks. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's actually, there's an anecdote in Bill Kreutzmann's book where he talks about that. Like it took him a long time to get it to click in his head when they were first recording it. And he was like, the moment when it clicked was the moment that I began to adore that song and just love playing it every time we played it ever, ever after. Jerry said sometime in the mid seventies that it was his favorite song to play. Now, I will allow the possibility that he later had other favorite songs to play, but I cling to the fact that that was his favorite song to play. Fair enough. Um, all right. I think I have maybe one or two more. Yes, I do. Two more lazy lightning questions. Number one, do you have a favorite band that you've never talked about on any of your various podcasts, endeavors, anything like that? Doesn't have to be necessarily one that many people have heard of either. It can just be, your favorite you know i i don't i'm not sure that i i do i because i've been i've been lucky enough to have you know people from a lot of bands even bands that are now defunct um kind of turn up here and there mm -hmm. um so so maybe I'm not, not sure yeah I, I i think i've i've been lucky enough to talk about so many groups that i really really love probably pentangle if anything okay <laughs> like, somebody that i really love that i've really not spent a lot of time on a podcast I definitely mentioned them though cool um and then the other one is is there a band that you really love that you think deserves more attention than they've gotten i think everybody should know about akron family um they are not together anymore 
uh, Miles has passed, unfortunately. Uh, so, but check out Akron Family. Put on Love is Simple. Take a really long walk. Um, it, they're they're an amazing group. Right on. I'm excited to I'm excited to dive in. Um, okay, so without further ado, let's get into what is now known as the Sunshine Daydream Show, the field trip. The Grateful Dead live in Venita in 1972. We're going to let you get your choice of draft pick. If you want the first pick, um, we'll give it to you. But then for Dave and myself, what we were thinking is, if you would think of a year, uh, he and I will both guess, a a year that the dead were active, so 1965 to 95. And Dave and I will both guess, uh, closest without going over, Price is Right rules, we'll get their choice of, of who goes next. Okay. And so just so I understand how yeah. this will work after that bit is that we'll name a song and then we'll talk about this performance yeah. between us Ta- and then we'll go to the next one. Right. And so okay. we'll, what I was thinking is to cover mostly every song on the show, we'll do five rounds of picks. And so whoever picks the very first pick will also have the very last pick so that it'll kind of wrap around. We'll do okay one, two, three, and then the third person gets the fourth pick. We snake around like that. Okay. So would you like the first pick, second pick, or third pick before we move on? This is a big big choice here, I guys. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with first just so I get this Smart one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So now have a year in your head. And uh, Dave, again, you know how many times we watched Price is Right together, so you'll be familiar with the rules. Do you want to name yours first? I've got a year already in mind. I'm going to pick it no matter what year you say. I'm not going to gamesmanship you over here. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with 84. Ooh, okay. I like it. So I was thinking 78 because of the William and Mary show, et cetera. That's the year I'm picking. That's, you know, not a bad guess, but it's 73. Oh, okay. So because we both went over, (laughs) I got to redo. No, I think, I think, I think that what we'll do is, um, I'll go, um, I'll I'll pick uh, first. Like I'll pick my choice first because I'm closer. Since we both went over, does that seem fair to you, Dave? That's fine. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna take the third pick. I want the wraparound. I want three and four. So Dave, you'll get the second Sneaky. pick. Yeah. Right. So uh, Jonathan, start us off. First draft pick of these songs from Vanita. It's got to be bird song, you guys. I gotta go with this bird song. I love it. So tell this us is why. Awesome pick. This is arguably the best bird song ever played you're going to hear best blank ever played a couple of times from me in this episode um but this one is just it's just kind of the perfect balance between you know the the verse structure having a nice swing to a good soaring solo the break that comes all the way down to billy but up up and then that return where jerry just hits that bop, bop, bit that is just outstanding and just moves me just moves me like almost nothing else this bird song is my favorite bird song wonderful yeah i i mean i wrote down when i was thinking about what i wanted to say about these different songs that this bird song is um, practically perfect in every way it's just you can't really find any faults it's literally i mean it's 13 minutes of like bliss when you're listening to it it's so delightful on your ears really Um, is and it's also it's one of those songs where this it's not the longest song in this show um but 
the entire 13 minutes you're captivated and you're locked in on what they're doing and you're just right there with them. Uh, Dave, I, I know you love this bird song too. Cause you have to, <laughs> you have to, um, the choruses stood out the most to me. The vocals are perfect. Jerry's flourishes on the guitar are perfect. The keys and bass are working together to make magic. Um, the drumming is just something else back to yeah. front and the ending solo is where it really gets cooking melodic, but methodical. Um, you talked about, you're going to hear this is the greatest blank insert song of this show. I think something like 14 of the 19 songs here, are the number one song on heady version, which we use to kind of like collect oh, yeah. and see, you know, what, what do the masses think? Um, so you're, you nailed it. It, it. I have yet to come across a better one. Yeah, it's great. I love where it comes in the show too. Um, it's just really nice. Yeah, the show has a distinct arc, right? So mm -hmm. the first like half of the first set is arguably more ordinary. It's not mm -hmm. bad, just a little more ordinary. And then things really kick in, right? In the China Rider. Yep. They take a break. They come back in the absolute heat for the set two and they they deliver further heat from the stage they're just like they're they're like solar panels or something they're taking <laughs> it in and back. then they're just projecting it out through the speakers and uh i always think of the the film like during the plane in the band where they're you see them building the stage during the the tiger jam sequence and whatever and it's just so much more elevated than what you had in set one and yeah. well i'm sure we'll get to set three in a bit right yeah that's true um yeah, man. Birdsong, phenomenal pick. If I had the first pick, that's what I was taking too. Dave, uh, so you have the second pick. So why don't you tell us what, what you're taking second? A song that I was worried that you were going to take and a song that I think Tex is, Alex is going to be excited for me to take because it leaves him open to taking Dark Star. But I'm taking the playing in the band. Hell yeah, um, you are. Yeah, because it's Great just pick. an absolute heater from start to finish. You go on like four different journeys in the middle jam and then you return to the classic playing riff and donna's screaming her face off to <laughs> punctuate the wild ride and um i just i i've run to that song i've worked out to that song i've sat and chilled to that song i've just done it all with that playing in the band which is just excellent yeah i mean i was touched on it a second ago like the, the tiger jam from that you know it's just crinkles your brain it's so intense <laughs> and to know that they're just sweating bullets up there and uh everybody's waiting for the water truck that's never coming and <laughs> you know with the rubbery water and all that and yeah. it's just absolute madness and and it really is just a a substantial step up from the really good things they were doing in europe just a few months earlier if you listen to the Berkeley shows that precede this run, also really strong playing. And, uh, but it just like gone that extra tick up the knob here. And this plane is just outstanding. It really is. And it's a step up, not just in the musicianship, but even in the time it's longer than most, many of the, of the planes that they played throughout Europe. A lot of those are in like the 10, 12 minute range. This one is longer. It's uh, I think on the CD, it's like 20 minutes long. Um, I mean, yeah, phenomenal. 
Uh, so interesting, Dave. I guess so. Before I make my <laughs> picks for three and four, should we count China and Ryder as one song, or should we make those two separate songs? I think they're one. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you for one. Well, that's great. Um, that's great news for me. <laughs> that's great news for you. <laughs> so um, I have to take Dark Star because this song deserves to be a first round pick from this show. So I'm going to take that with my the third overall pick. One of the great Dark Stars, I think. Dave, you said that in playing in the band, we go on like all these separate journeys. And that is certainly true of this very long and excellent excellent dark star that opens set three so now we have the set two opener uh playing in the band and the set three opener in dark star both off the board 31 minutes long um and it's just like like the both of the songs you guys have picked you're captivated the whole time the beginning is ethereal and really just lovely sounding and then around like the seven minute mark they pick up the pace and start driving and actually jonathan kind of like what you were saying about um in bird song jerry coming back in with those first notes the moment when he starts to bring them down to go to verse one in this song it's i don't want to say abrupt because that sounds negative it's just they stop on a dime and they're into the verse and it's like this band was just so tight around this time. Um, they jam for like 11 or so minutes before they get into verse one. And then coming out of the first verse, Phil takes us on a journey, this jazzy, dark, scary uh, voyage yeah. <laughs> that Phil leads us on in the second half of the song. I love Bill's drumming Dur- during the verse, especially it sounds like he's got more than two arms. It's like, how is this guy making this many sounds on that kit? And I mean, he's overall got a drumstick between his teeth or something. <laughs> Yeah. Um, It's just overall a phenomenal version. I think it's the number one version on heady version. So the fans certainly love it. Um, And I I think it has to go in the first round. So I'm happy to have it with the third pick. Yeah. I mean, this, this show and like this dark star long rated, like number one in the old, like a dead base readers polls back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this is why, uh, I mean, this dark star is, apocalyptic like the the latter jam before they go to el paso and you know maybe they could have gone to morning too you hear it yeah jerry's thinking it um but that late jam is just doom it is so serious and scary um i can't really imagine what it would have been like to you know finally feeling the bliss of the sun gone down and then this happens to you. That's just what a ride. I yeah. Mean, I labeled it a dark, heavy buzz that grabs and squeezes your soul yeah. to talk about that part of the song that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. It does rattle the soul. Yeah. And and they're playing it. You're right. It's right as the sun's gone down. It's dusk when you see it in the, in the concert video. It's like the the dusky color of the day during that part of the show it's also very just evocative and interesting um, and thinking about how much cooler it must've been at that point, even without the, the rubbery water uh, ever coming <laughs> by. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, just a phenomenal version. I feel like we could talk about this for a, a lot longer, but we, we're going to keep it moving. We got a lot of songs to talk about. Um, so with the fourth pick and the first pick of the second round, I, I'm not going to lie. I was very tempted to take uh, El Paso here just because then I get the dark start oh, into El Paso. Um, it feels kind of wrong not to in a lot of ways, but I'm just going to hope that I can get that later in the draft. 
because I think that this China Cat Sunflower into I Know You Rider is my favorite version they ever played. It's it's so great. I love it. I love both songs independently. I love the way that they work together. The the fill bomb that comes at, at in like the two minute range out of Jerry's first solo in this song is like uh, apocalyptic. Like you, like you were saying earlier, I, I think that that word fits this perfectly too. You've get these great twinkling keys that Keith is playing over Jerry's soloing or under Jerry's soloing. Um, and then how about a great Bob Weir solo at the back half of the song for us? It sounds really good. And yeah. the way, the way that, um, there's a part where he and Jerry start playing the same thing. And the way I would describe it is it's like when you watch a NASA launch and the ship is going up and then the booster rocket breaks off and the main ship takes way off. Jerry and Bob play the same thing coming out of Bob solo. And then Bob drops away and Jerry just goes off into another atmosphere. It's amazing. Um, And so I, I would have taken just China cat here, but having, I know you ride or two, I mean, I love the transition. Bob tries to bring him in a little bit and they kind of resist for a second. Jerry's having too much fun. And then they eventually charge into I Know You Rider. And it's a great version of that song too. So uh, I'm I'm loving these songs. I'm so happy to have it on my draft board. <laughs> it's like what I was saying earlier about this. This is the moment when the show really takes off. Like it's all fine and even good. Like Black-Throated is a good version of Black-Throated, yeah. but this jam is when you know that they're here for, for real. Yeah. And uh, it, it just goes and it goes up and out following along with your rocket analogy. <laughs> and uh, it's beautiful and lands nicely in, I know you writer and it's a very like a good version. That song itself is a little more grounded and uh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. It's, it's outstanding. It's one of my favorite China writers for sure. Possibly one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Dave, I know you must have you must have been loving this. You really like these songs. What what was your thought on this China Rider? Just the total experience you get with the China half. Um building, 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 you crescendo into this like sonic powerhouse. And then they really well done how they wind it down into I know you rider. I I felt like the offbeat drum notes in the beginning of Ryder like kind of helped drive the pace a little bit. And it's like, it's up tempo, but it still feels like they've got it in total control. Mm-hmm. It's like energetic, but smooth. Um, grounded, like Jonathan was saying. Grounded, That's, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So totally agree. Love the pick. Very jealous that I can't get that China. <laughs> it's, it's something else. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that you're right too. This is the point of like the line of demarcation where the show hits another level um, from here. And I think that there's a reason why all the songs we've chosen so far are from this point onward. So, uh, Dave, fifth pick, your second pick uh, in the draft. What do you got? Well, I'm I'm torn between two. I'm torn between an upbeat song and a kind of slower song. And the reason that I'm gonna go with "Sing Me Back Home" as the the tie breaking reason in my head is that we are recording this on Donna's birthday, August 22nd. Wow. And so she just shines that whole song. And so using that as the tiebreaker to give me, I already got the super hot plan. So I will take the excellent sing me back. Great. Donna does shine on this, but I'd like to point out that this is also like 
Jerry's most soulful vocal and a Grateful Dead track is on okay. this one. He maybe driven by Donna, carried by the moment, just belts out some stuff late in this version that is just stirring. Mm-hmm. I use that word, stirring. Um, <laughs> it gets me, man. It's it's so good. Best version ever. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's not that many of this one, but really just light years beyond. Yeah, there could have been even more versions, and I, I'm not sure any of them could have surpassed this. I think that there's that kind of it's the just the vibe where it comes, yep. what it's coming after. You get the Dark Star and then El Paso into this. Um, it's like it's just perfect, and it's it's now fully dark uh, when you watch the video. It's it's nighttime when they are singing this song. It's a perfect serenade. And so, did you say that you thought that the show originally ended with this song because of the way that the cassette was? Set yeah, up I mean, the first I time? wasn't aware of that there were three more songs. Yeah. I maybe had Sugar Mag, maybe. I just wasn't aware that it kept going. Uh, and then I got a dead bass and I was like, oh, there's more. And then I got an updated dead bass. It's like, oh, it's all here. What? I need all of this. It would have been. But it could kind have of, ended there. It could have. If they would have sent the people out into the night on this note, it would have been a okay. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. There's in the in the film this they play this song and then strangely they go back to greatest stories like the song that's on during the credits but the the film ends with this song i believe too i don't think that they play the other ones that come after um and i just contributed to my misconceptions for a little while true yeah uh and for good reason it's just a such a sweet soulful great note to end on great pick dave yeah Um, i could get wrong at this point true yeah Jonathan, you've got two in a row, picks six and seven. Yeah, the, just the world is your oyster. What just are you thinking? Cross off, sing me back home. Because I do have a list. I have me an too. ordered list, which is weird because <laughs> I don't really rank music, but I knew we were drafting. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't think of it as ranking. These are I'm all not. great songs, you know? Um, it's just, we're just finding a new way to talk about them. <laughs> Yeah, these are great songs. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now about the greatest version of The Greatest Story Ever Told. Oh, okay. Um, My friend Andy would say that one of the September ones is better. I'll let him have that. (laughs) But I don't agree. This one right here is just so perfect. First off, coming out of that bird song, beautiful bird song. It's not like we're going to get some rock and Jerry's going to engage that wah pedal and lean into it and just shred. The whole band though is just on fire. They are oh, just yeah. somehow they muster the strength that you wouldn't think they'd have after melting in the sun and playing what they've just been playing, but they absolutely shred and belt out the song. Um, this is the greatest, greatest story ever told, and I'm happy to pick it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I am happy to agree with you. I. I agree. I think that the force of Jerry's wah on this version is just, just this snarling, gnarly in the best possible way version that just like it tickles something that the other songs on this record and this this show just don't. Right. Um, yeah and I, so I, I think it's phenomenal that was the next one up on my draft board <laughs> it hits a pretty sweet spot yeah um, Dave anything on uh, Greatest Story yeah, you guys touched on it all it's like a short sprint of greatness 
Yeah. Jerry is a soloing maniac in this song. It's the entire back half is just him just crushing it. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. We're going to take a little break and let the sun go down for a little bit and then we'll be back <laughs> to play some more. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby says, "Yep, God, yeah. I mean, I can even quote the banter from this show. I've listened to it so many times. <laughs> Did you know somebody notes this in an old Dead Base that this is the the most mentions from the stage of God of any Grateful Dead show? Wow, like, it's good to play yeah. here in front of for you find people in front of God and, and everybody, God and everybody else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This <laughs> random moment, real quick uh, with the banter, the part yeah. when Bob's like, can we turn it up?" Can we turn it up for fuck's sake? He just like <laughs> sounds so exasperated and hot and just like just wants to hear in his monitors. That's all he's looking for. Right. Or the uh oh yeah, the the kids tent, for those of you who don't know, Bobby's like, oh, if you don't know, you don't wanna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Enough stalling. Here's my next pick. Down to brass tacks. Yeah, let's go. Jack Straw. Oh. crossing the rest of set two off the list with Jack Straw again arguably one of the best versions ever played Yeah, the intro in this two things about the just the intro one is there's this footage of a little kid in a tire and a puppy you know with cute as hell yeah. yeah the ice cream and then uh, the other is Jerry's guitar is so smooth and beautiful is he like there's almost no attack on the notes mm -hmm. it's just it's like steel guitar it's absolutely amazing and yeah. transcendent and then the rest of the song's good too <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the the thing that i like about the rest of the song is jerry and keith's interplay the way that they start yeah. working together is just beautiful that that quality to the way Jerry's playing it's like liquid it's so smooth um and then the way that Keith starts to kind of pick him up a little bit I, I love it I, I love this version and I love yeah, the, the scene with the dog too yeah. <laughs> and the thing we're not we haven't really talked about is that you know this is they've done this big Europe tour they've been doing overdubs for the Europe tour you know they're getting ready to do a fall tour you know like go out in September mm -hmm. um but you know, Pigpen's not with the band. Mm -hmm. And they locked in as a, how many people is that with Pigpen? Like, like nine, 20 people on stage uh, <laughs> there for a minute. And then, and, and now he's gone and that changes the dynamic again. So we're one drummer, one keyboard player. And I think that, um, you know, Keith is, he's already grown well into this band at this point, even though they're still introducing Donna to the audiences. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, uh, he and Jerry like really lock in and I think it just opens them up just a bit more. Yeah. And they're, they're they embrace it readily. Yeah. It's very true. And so quickly too, because I mean, it's less than a year into Keith playing, playing in the band at this point in yeah. time. Um, and it, it just, it sounds like he's always been a part of it with how smooth and how well he fits in. Um, and yeah, he's, he's great throughout this whole show. Great picks. Uh, Dave, you're back up. What do you got? I'm back up and I'm going to, I think be the first one to tread into set one. Oh no, you did with China Rider. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to go with the Bertha that ends set one. 
Nice. Great version. Tell us about it. I just, it's so upbeat, which I love from Bertha. Um, the cymbal flares during the second verse, it like made it feel faster than it was. And the standout is Shredder Jerry. He, he comes out, he peeks his head out to just absolutely cook for the solo. And it's upbeat from the awesome piano slide at the beginning to the final note. I just thought it was an, an awesome way to end set one. I, I want to shout out a correction. There is one song from set two that we haven't picked yet, but uh, so correcting myself. But uh, yeah, the, the early Keith Bertha, like at this point, there's no organ. Keith is just pounding the <laughs> crap out of these parts, and it's so great. It's like, yeah. um, you know, a little Jerry Lee Lewis kind of thing. Um, and yeah, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah great great set closer absolutely yeah dave i like that you mentioned the keys at the beginning the keyboard like slide down the piano it sounds phenomenal it's such a cool high energy way to get going with the song it's only it's less than six minutes long this version of bertha but it doesn't feel like it because jerry's just i mean he's it's like his guitar is breathing fire throughout this song he's, he's playing <laughs> that well and just phenomenal version one of my favorite versions of bertha i, I love it um and I think that that's an excellent pick. So speaking of the second set not being fully chosen, <laughs> now it is. I'm taking He's Gone with my next pick. Knew this it was is, coming. Yeah, I, I mean, this it might not be my favorite favorite, He's Gone, but it's one of them. I, I really like this. I think the only thing that maybe I like in others better is that the ending of this song is a bit muted compared to the way that Jerry really breaks it down with like that in other versions. Um, which I, I love and some of the some of the versions where he really kind of cranks that part I just like click with me in a very um like primal way almost just like makes you want to you know headbang a little bit or something but I love this version it sounds like they're having a blast playing it with like Bob like having some yips during it like woo um and you, I love to hear that you know hearing how much fun they're having always makes it sound more fun Phil is like feeling this one out a little bit in the beginning and then really gets into it toward the middle and the end and it what he's doing sounds phenomenal like it usually does on this song this, this song is a, a great one for Phil but yeah I just think it's a great version yeah, totally. I, I think good Donna in this one as well. I think it's worth noting that she's really into this good vocal interplay kind of late in the uh, in the song at the end of the like the song proper as yeah. they lead into the little bit of a jam there. Nice, nice version. Yeah. Anything on He's Gone, Dave? Just love how Keith kind of takes over for the second chorus. I sucker for good keys and <laughs> When Keith really starts to go at it and his hand gets really heavy, I I love that. Yeah, yeah, fair. I, I like just keep when uh, piano players do that in general. It's like Fats Domino is one of my favorite keyboardist pianists, and he has that heavy hand. Um, I guess heavy left hand uh, when he's playing that is so distinct. Um, so yeah, that's it for set two. We picked it's a, it's the least fewest songs of any of the sets, only six five songs. But playing, he's gone. Jack Straw, Birdsong, and Greatest Story are all off the board. So we got some, a lot of set one still to go, and some set three. Yeah. So do you, the strategy pick for you? Do you go that El Paso to complete the Dark Star loop that you talked about? Do you 
to hop back into set one. What's what's going through your mind right now? I'm, play, I'm gonna I'm gonna play some game theory. I think El Paso is gonna be there for me when I pick next. That's what I, I'm banking on it. I might be wrong. I mean, it it's... all depends on what you do pick. <laughs> That's true. Um, oh man, there are still some songs I really like. Okay, I know what I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the show opening song, Promised Land. Um, I really like this version of Promised Land. I think it's it's a great version. Perfect tempo for me. Uh, they're not too fast, not too slow. Um, it's just super fun, bouncy piano, really like kind of fiery guitar from Jerry, and just a good like bubbly bass from Phil that's kind of hard to pin down. It kind of moves it around throughout the song in a way that I think is really interesting and and just sounds great for this song. So uh, a version of Promised Land that I really love and I'm happy to have on yeah. my list. When Phil starts cooking, I think it's right before the second verse, like melds everybody together. Um, you got strong vocal harmonies near the end. And how about the drumming? Like drumming yeah. was awesome on the song. So good pick, good pick. Thank you. Yeah, Billy's driving strong. Uh, I mean, even from the beginning, though, it's, you know, you know, Phil right at the, at the get. This yep. is one of those songs. I'm from Virginia. I've lived in Norfolk. I mm-hmm. love that song. Uh, it, I connect with it. Um, yeah. And uh, Bobby cannot pronounce Norfolk, Virginia. No, he can't. Um, <laughs> Norfolk, Virginia. Time. Yeah. Please. He pronounces every letter in the word. <laughs> They've even played there. You'd think somebody would have corrected them by, after yeah. they played the scope, but no. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I love this song. It's a ripping version and you know, it's not even the hottest rock and roll song on the show, but it's a great one. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So happy to have that on my list. Dave, you got, you're up next. What do you got? I'm going to go with the titular song of the show. It's the sunshine daydream show. So I'd be remiss not to take sugar magnolia. Nice. Tell us about it. Upbeat. And usually with this song, and I think especially coming off of all the Europe 72 um, that we've listened to this year for the 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. it's that Sunshine Daydream Coda for me that usually does it. But with this version, it was actually that like middle ground right before it. There was something about the way everyone was melding together that I could not stop like bopping my head and tapping my foot and just you know, from the beginning the, in the song you just took promised land to two hours and 45 minutes later, they're still keeping you dancing and on your feet. And it's so upbeat and high energy and it just, it was impressive. Yeah. I mean, I'd argue that they're dragging people back to their feet perhaps <laughs> after like <laughs> plastering their brains all over the field. Um, but, but the fact that they can do it at that point, uh, it much less, you know, like see and receive any energy back from the audience after that. I mean, these Oregon hippies are a strong bunch. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Good, good stock. They're yeah, from, especially because I mean, they're fuel for the day. It's not like water. It's a yogurt and beer, and they're still. <laughs> uh, there might be something else. Yeah, true. true yeah, <laughs> um, our friend uh, Zach Cropper, who has a great podcast called Rock Talk with Doctor Cropper, he talks about how some shows have this what he calls a lysergic buzz that you can pick up <laughs> through the through the recording. This one certainly does. Um, not just the audience, but the playing. Uh, it has this like crackle to it almost and this song has that i think in spades 
Um, it's a, a great version. So you've got two picks in a row, Jonathan, and I believe these are your last two, four and five. That's right. So, all right, ooh, you got to choose wisely. Well, the first one I think is easy. Okay, black throated wind. Yeah, I can't believe it hasn't been picked yet. To be honest. Yeah, look at the confidence on his face right now. He's thinking <laughs> that El Paso is coming back to me. Yeah, he's he thinks he's got it locked up. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, I want to start here because Black Throated Wind is a great damn song. And this is a good version. You know, I've made the point a couple times that this show really comes on during the China Rider, but you could drop this Black Throated Wind against just about any in 72 and it stands up just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say it's a great damn song played really well um i will i will stand this song forever i want the original lyrics not the like revised version but uh that's what we got here and it's it's great yeah so when you say the version like a clover leaf town and that stuff or do you mean like yeah, yeah. um i don't need that the 90 or whatever <laughs> that was when bobby decided to like polish it up a little yeah yeah that's fair yeah, great lyrics and obviously ones that uh, John Perry Barlow loved because I think he has his book is titled Mother American Night. Um, and so uh, I'd take pride in it if I were him. Yeah, absolutely. W- was this the first song that he wrote with Bobby? Is that am I remembering that correctly? I think it might have been. I don't have that in my catalog of yeah. information, but it might be true. Uh, it's certainly early. It's like, yeah, it's early, but it's also like the one that like just stands almost the tallest like i i mm-hmm. put it above let it grow and and such the weather report stuff uh, yeah lyrically um i agree bobby is a prog musician however really carries that let it grow stuff but, uh, <laughs> yeah i i agree i think this is their peak of i i, I mean it's a peak of songwriting together. Certainly their early peak together. I mean, it's, yeah. It's I mean, you get Cassidy and, you know, some of these other early songs are also pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no Cassidy on this show, so I can't pick it. Yeah. I actually, uh, we're going to come back to Cassidy in a little bit, actually. So pa- we're going to pause that. Keep pin, put a pin in that thought on Cassidy mm-hmm. and we'll come back to it. But uh, black, but black throated, I love this version. Um, even though it's Bobby's song, I think that what everyone around him is doing is phenomenal. Phil and Keith are doing really interesting, like varied playing. And so is Billy. Um, he's got these like lovely symbols, like this very delicate symbol playing that I think sounds great. But then by the end, he's like pounding those toms and giving it some heft. And so I just think beginning to end, this is a, a phenomenal version of a song they were playing really well in this era. What do you got on Black Throated Wind, Dave? You kind of, touched on it, Jonathan, when talking about the Europe 72 and how it stands up. Just what I thought was neat about it when comparing it with the Europe 72 versions, it's already a little bit slower. Like they're playing it a tiny bit slower. So it's already evolving, you know, not even a year later. And I just thought that, that was really neat, like how they were already workshopping and, and moving things on and seeing how they could like make stuff still sound great while making it sound different. Um, but yeah, back to front, this was stellar. Yeah. yeah. So jo- Jonathan, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say in sandwich between Deal and China Cat, I mean, it's it's okay to have a little bit of slight slight down tempo, especially as they're going to build. 
Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They do. Yeah. So you have a lot of really good options for your last pick, not just El Paso. I mean, you could choose that, but you do have a lot of other really good options. Sell me on some of them. <laughs> well, the okay. aforementioned deal. That's a great version. You got that. Pretty I don't think version. anyone's taking sugary. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are a couple, there are a couple out there. Well, I'm, I'm going to take El Paso. Ah. Ah. And here's why. <laughs> Not because I'm a jerk, although I've been called that. It's true. <laughs> but because I, this El Paso has been much maligned over the years, not by everybody, not universally, but mm-hmm. there are plenty of people out there who are like, why did he have to go into El Paso? Well, you know, because he did. <laughs> you can't change it. This is what happened. They playing, they play this deep apocalyptic dark star. We used that word earlier. I think it applies and just shred the psyches of the audience, maybe their own. Everybody's ego is stripped bare. And Jerry's thinking about Morning Dew. You hear the notes. You can hear he's making that move. And then Bobby starts strumming really rapidly a little Marty Robbins. And not only do I think it works, but I think it is right. They go into this song after this just dark, dire space number. They go into a song that's ostensibly a cowboy song, a little bit of a love song, but really it's a song about death. It's about murder and dying. And it's also really goddamn dark. Like this guy, he was just like, kills somebody without thinking about it. Then he's like, oh, damn, what do I do? He runs away. Then he comes back to the woman he loves, knowing that it could be his end. And sure enough, it is. That's heavy. That's heavy. And then they follow it with this, you know, prison song about a guy who was going off to the chair or the gallows or whatever they're using in your state. And like, good God. This is some serious, dark, heavy shit that they're doing here. And I am super here for it. Like, this is this is what I love. This is what I love. It's great. That's why I picked El Paso. Well, um, little applause. Love that analysis. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's actually really fitting that we have, I got Dark Star, you got El Paso, and Dave got Sing Me Back Home. We have each of us gets some representation in that little suite of songs that is just this extremely compelling, excellent version, excellent moment in the show, um, albeit a 45 minute moment. Um, but yeah, right. it is a really good version. I agree with you. Plus, also, I mean, there are other versions where you can get Dark Star into Morning Dew. There's a great one just a couple months later in St. Louis that was released last year, playing into Dark Star into Morning Dew, back into playing. If you want to hear what Dark Star into Morning Dew sounds like, go listen to 101872. Uh, it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. This is, <laughs> like you said, he did play it. This is what we got. And it's, it is, uh, it fits. Like I said, I almost took this with this, the fourth overall pick of the draft. So I, I highly agree uh, with this pick. M- might also be the best version of El Paso. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It really is. Um, it's also interesting. I've really, I guess I know the lyrics and I know the content, but because of that kind of like frilly beginning, 
sound where it sounds like so delicate and it's like like a lot of dead songs where it's like oh this sounds like such a happy song and then you actually think about what it's about and this is not a dead song as you said a marty robbins song and you're like oh man this is heavy but even compared to his other songs like i'm thinking of the song of his big iron where it's like has this ominous heft to it when you listen to other marty robbins songs this one is a little bit lighter even though the lyrical content is just as dark as ever um yeah marty uh the old gunfighter i have that record downstairs somewhere you know he he didn't mess around no (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think i have that vinyl uh back in my collection too it's a it's a good one um dave what do you what do you think about el paso i mean you guys have said it all i just bobby continued to sound good ever since he got his monitor figured out um (laughs) keith continued his beautiful playing and the german continued to be stellar um i love the gumption to stick with it like this is what he played and therefore it's right and i i think that's so great yeah i mean you get a second guess this band from on this night come on <laughs> no, no yeah no sir you're no, right not that, a chance that does feel wrong <laughs> all right dave you have do you have one more pick is that it yes i've got one more and i've noticed recently in the couple episodes that we've recorded before this that there's a song that I'm really gravitating to lately and it's still there on the board. And so I'm going to close my draft out with a little me and my uncle. Wow. Okay. Now we're talking. Yeah. Nice. I overall, I love how Bobby found the sweet spot right between Western cowboy and rock star with how he like approaches this version. Mm -hmm. Jerry's, playing right from the, the start is excellent you know i love that saloon piano that keith will put on the song sometimes yeah and yeah just overall i was smiling the whole time and you get this right into deal which is one of my favorites so happy to take this one and launch us off love it what do you think about this me and my uncle jonathan left his dead ass there by the side of the road come on (laughs) this is great this is great stuff bobby is just in a mode with these cowboy songs i like the the banter at the beginning was like i want to introduce the band and uh, this guy's no bill graham says bobby and then he gives bobby something for his when he's going to do his cowboy songs you know and like maybe a cowboy hat i don't know uh but uh sure enough you get some of those cowboy songs um and this one's great it's just always good there are probably versions where somebody struggles or something but i think dave you kind of said it right you know like the uh that uh tack piano kind of saloon piano sound that keith really just evokes in his playing is really strong and uh bobby delivers a great performance and they're just getting warmed up yeah yeah i agree I like the snarl that Bobby has in his vocals on this song. It's putting a little bit of a uh, little bit of stank on it. And uh, in addition <laughs> to the the Bobby snarl, I like uh, the the way that Jerry's playing. It's like uh, in the liner notes to one of the recent uh, Dave's picks, the, the guy talked about how Jerry Garcia unleashed an Indian bead string of guitar notes or um, on this solo. And his solo or in the beginning of this song sounds like that, where it's just relentless, um, but in a very flowy, nice way. Good pick, Dave. Before we go into your last pick, do you need a recap of what songs are still on the board? No, I got them. I was actually about to read the selection so far. 
So oh. we have Jonathan's selections. Um, he, he got Birdsong off the top. Uh, we also have in his second round of picks, we got Greatest Story Ever Told, The Greatest Greatest Story Ever Told, and Jack Straw, Black-Throated Wind, and then El Paso. A murderer's row of songs. Um, very strong draft board. Um, or, or Somehow... Draft. Four Bobby songs? <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? <laughs> They're good. Wow. Yeah. They, they are. Yeah. Um, Dave, you got playing in the band. You got Sing Me Back Home, Bertha, Sugar Mag, and Me and My Uncle. Also good, good slave. I'm, I'm very proud of this draft. I'm, <laughs> I'm digging it. As you should right. be. Bird song is gonna slaughter most of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, I mean, we all had some pretty pretty um easy draft materials uh, it was kind of <laughs> hard to go wrong with this show um and i have uh, dark star china rider he's gone promised land and now deal i'm taking deal with the last pick of the draft i really like this version of deal i like the methodical tempo at the beginning um it starts to creep faster as the soloing begins and i think that this jerry solo might be like a prototypical jerry garcia deal solo it just has what you want out of it um, I also like Keith and Bob's rhythm coming out of that solo. They're working together and their rhythm just sounds really good. And so um, Deal is a song that I love, Dave, that you, that you love um, as well. That's why it's our theme song. And um, happy to have it to close out the draft, which do- does not leave many songs that we didn't draft, but I think we should quickly talk about some of them because they're all so good just because we didn't choose them. What's um, left? The uh, sugary. sugary. Yeah, no one took that. Um, and it's it's a fine sugary. It's good sugary. Yeah. Yeah. Mexicali blues is also left. And then the the double closer, Casey Jones and one more Saturday night. Those songs didn't really happen according (laughs) to 1990 me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, It's amazing that we even got sugar mag when you think about it, because that may or may not have happened. So we, (laughs) we probably should have just ended with um, sing me back home, but that's okay. (laughs) So I think that it's probably fair that those were the ones that weren't, selected um there they share some dna with other songs that we chose and so if if we were maybe looking for a rocker um you know dave you got sugar mag right before casey jones and even though it's a good casey jones kind of similar energy right one two three punched but i kind of feel like the returns are slightly diminishing i think as you get into the casey jones and the one more saturday night the energy does wane a touch it's nothing like the bertha right how could it be right that's good yeah, I agree. I think the sugary is, you know, it's still in warm up territory, but it's good. It's like it's real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, deal. You know, Jerry played that with Jerry Band so much that he played that song. That's like seven hundred thirty-one entries for that song in Jerry wow. Bass, which is a fair number, I believe. Yeah. I, you know, they kind of laid off of it in Grateful Dead, uh, relatively through their their catalog but just for contrast like sugar mag has 606 entries wow so like jerry played deal a lot and uh i'm not sure there are bad ones but this one's a real good one so yeah wow that's that's really that's good context knowing that with the jerry band and his other ventures he played it that many times it's kind of shocking when you hear this a seven as the start to it right yeah it's remarkable uh dave i'm sorry i went right past you what do you what did you think about deal i was so excited to talk about all the other songs (laughs) no that's that's okay um you you touched on 
um, Bob and, and Keith, I, to me, the, the rhythm is the strength of deal, no matter how well Jerry solos. And, and here it's, it's quite nice. I think the rhythm for the song, just how it moves you along, marches you along is always so great. And what Bob and Phil did here was the strength of this song. Um, my only complaint is what my usual complaint with deal is, uh, it's too short. It's only about <laughs> five minutes instead of a seven or eight kind of more jammed out one. So that's my only complaint with, um, a, a quite excellent deal. Yeah, there are some a little bit later where you know it goes back for a few more turns around, and those are a lot of fun because when Jerry's feeling it, he'll lean into that song a little extra, and it's, it's always good. Yeah. Right, always get space. Absolutely. Um, so Cassidy, I said that I was going to bring bring us back around to Cassidy, and I know you're thinking, "What the hell? How is this even going to come around?" So I was thinking about this today. In 1972, they there was a pretty limited number of songs that they were playing on the road. It's only like 70 or 80 songs. And if you could choose another song from like the 72 songbook, you know, take out the Pigpen songs, obviously. For either of you guys, is there one that jumps out? Because for me, I kept imagining what it would have sounded like if they would have played Cassidy. I guess maybe instead of like Mexicali Blues um, would be, maybe be the slot for it. It's a Bob song that would have brought down the energy a little bit before Bertha. I'm not sure Bertha would have felt the same without the lead up of having something that's faster before it. But what do you guys think? Anything? I think Cassidy would be a nice pick there. I don't know where you'd slot it, but I think that if I were to put another song in, I might take out me and my uncle maybe and do a looks like rain Ooh. still early. Uh, so, you know, the energy is kind of mixed. It might bring it down. We'd probably have to go in the black throated slot, honestly, but I don't yeah. want to take that out. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'll just give another Jerry song while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just attack that on. The second set is about probably as long as they could have played in the heat, but maybe just add yeah. that up to the second set somewhere. <laughs> yeah. A- anything for you, Dave? Where, where would you like Tennessee Jed to be slotted in? How, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I was also thinking too, maybe we talked about how the last three songs kind of meld and you get diminishing returns. Maybe if you went with like a Cumberland instead of one of those um, more traditional rockers near the end, that would that be would interesting be too. Different. Yeah. But would have been yeah, a little out of place, I think just given the way they shape their set lists, but it, I would, oh, I would yeah. take it any day. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And I agree with you, but I was initially thinking where in set one, could you slide Tennessee jet into <laughs> I know you will. So here it is. After me and my uncle, Tennessee Jed, looks like rain, then deal. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there it is. Why didn't they just do that? No, I I can't. (laughs) Remember, go back to what I said about El Paso. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Jonathan, do you have any closing thoughts? Anything that we didn't hit on with this show that you you want to share? You know, I just love this show this is the we talked about the lysergic energy i mean let's let's call it out like there's yeah. people are just dosed to the gills <laughs> for the show yeah and it just bleeds into every aspect yeah. and everything else about it you know idyllic spot blistering heat not enough water for the audience, all of those things, you know, add into some sort of X factor. Mm-hmm. And you have this band that is at rising to kind of, you know, they're kind of riding a high from Europe 
they're really just revealing that the band that they are now to the world really you only played a handful of shows since europe and they're i mean they're the best band that they're going to be in 1972 possibly um september has got some great shows though yeah a lot of great stuff ahead yeah but certainly my favorite version of grateful dead that didn't play red jimmy (laughs) fair enough yeah i mean they yeah i I agree just a phenomenal show um all around i I think that the everyone being dosed to the gills thing you 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 hear it right off the bat with the cd that guy has that kind of like anxious dosed energy of he's talking to a lot of people and is like okay uh all right like he's just a little bit squirrely maybe that feeling i guess i i I mean he's talking to a lot of people in a big open field um i can't can't blame him especially if he was if he was uh enjoying um isn't that babs i think yeah it is um and um Ken Babs. Yeah, uh, he's you know he's known for interesting banter. And yeah, if you go back to some of the old uh, the prankster tapes and stuff. And, yeah, uh, and he's a talker, so yeah, um, <laughs> it really comes through. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if it was on. I don't think it's on the album, but there's great additional banter to be heard. You know things like uh hey uh go backstairs backstage there's a bottle of water beneath the stage if you could bring it out here to the sound position and uh just be careful with it uh we wouldn't want anybody to tamper with the water <laughs> you know and that's just my best uh fake oregon accent um it's a pretty and, good babs uh, impersonation i gotta say <laughs> i'm telling you i have listened to this tape a lot <laughs> like a lot um possibly more than almost anything else Anything in any of the music you mean, like no matter the band, except for maybe like blood on the tracks. Wow, man. Yeah. That is, that's saying something. I can see why it makes sense. So I got a couple more questions about this album for both of you guys. Do you think this would be a good entry point for someone who doesn't know the grateful dead very well? Um, Do you think you could present this, you know, send someone the Apple music or the Spotify link and say, I know that you haven't listened to the grateful dead. Check this album out. I wouldn't. No, I I wouldn't. Honestly, I mean, it depends on the person. Like, you know, if they like to get weird, there are people who haven't heard Grateful Dead who like to get weird, right? Maybe. Yeah. I also hesitated for a long pause. I I agree with you. I don't think that I would. I think for two reasons. One, if you're trying to play it safe, this is kind of on your point maybe go with something else maybe for maybe from 77 first my go-to is europe 72 that album if i someone's like i don't know much about the grateful dead say go listen to europe 72 (laughs) my second reason is i didn't find this show early in my grateful dead listening career and it was really a pleasant surprise to come and find this and be like oh my god this is incredible and i would want someone else to have that as well Okay. So you give them five and you make this number five. <laughs> there you right. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen to these in this order. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's American Beauty. Here's Europe 72. Mm-hmm. Here's 10, 13, 68, uh, 5, 8, 77. Yep. And now we got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I, off I, the top of my head, I might not commit to that order. I think that that's a pretty good order, though, that's, honestly. That's uh, a off, solid the, top off, the, off the top of your head. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you guys. I think that this is one of those ones that kind of has to unfold a little bit. You got to be ready for the weirdness, um, ready for a 30 minute dark star. That's going to take you on the journey that this one will take you on so that you can really appreciate it. And then once you're there, I think that then, that then the song pays dividends at that point, you're going to just oh, love yeah. it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's maybe an entry point, but definitely like a, maybe like a dead 201 or 202 to use like a college analogy dead 301 master class you guys yeah so <laughs> it's your dead thesis this is when you listen to this um okay yeah that that's pretty good uh dave any last questions before we let jonathan go we've already taken an, almost an hour and a half no thank you so much for coming on and talking dead with us we sincerely appreciate it yeah had a great time uh hope you had fun too um glad that we got to to talk with you about it yeah, thank you both. This has been this has been great. Um, I anytime I'm happy to do it again. Great. Well, if you're ever in the Raleigh area for a show, uh, send us send us a note. Maybe we'll maybe we'll be able to meet up, buy you a beer or something. Sounds great. All right, Jonathan. Uh, thank thank you, you, and uh, talk to you later on. So Dave, bringing it back home, what a fun time talking with Jonathan about this great show. What did you think about uh, drafting songs? I thought it was really fun. And the gamesmanship that we played with each other, I think was so fun to be a part of. Nice. Yeah, that was a, rather than fawn and dote on each song for, we could have done that for eight hours. I think the draft was an awesome way to go about this show. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I think that it makes sense for a show like this too that our audience probably already knows and loves and it's beneficially released. We're not going to really be able to do samples of it in this. And so this is more, you know, it's a fun way to talk about it with someone who's, whose work we like and um, who you once upon a time said has the greatest name for a Grateful Dead podcast imaginable. I, I'm embarrassed that I didn't say that to him. Yeah, I think Broke Down Podcasts you know, coming from Broke Down Palace and being so similar is the, well, now second to ours, but the <laughs> the other best name for a Grateful Dead podcast on the market. I'm going to give it up to Jonathan. I think he's got us beat. Oh, yeah. Hands down. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that he came on to talk with us. I mean, he's like a, he's like a real guy. He's got his, like a real show that has, I mean, certainly a bigger audience than ours and a, a real network supporting it. Yeah, you know, they have ads on his show and stuff like that. So it's a big deal for us to have a guest of his caliber. And I think it also just it goes to show the generosity of spirit within this community. You know, we now have had four guests, all of whom have been willing to spend time with us. We don't make any money off this, so we can't pay our guests or anything. They just love talking about the music and the band and uh, are happy to come spend some time with us. So to Jonathan, heartfelt heartfelt thank you and to all of our guests while we're at it thank you to those guys too if you liked uh this you might like our other uh episodes with guests with zach cropper from rock talk with dr cropper with howard weiner uh, esteemed author of uh europe 72 and with dave davis at grateful seconds and gratefulseconds.com. go check those out we had a lot of fun talking with those guys too um and we will hope to continue to have more more guests coming up 
think yeah. next maybe John Mayer we'll talk with him about one of his <laughs> please his, his favorite dead shows <laughs> all right well I think that's about it for us Dave anything else if you whether or not you host your own podcast if you want to get in touch with us please do and Twitter at working man's pod and Instagram working man's underscore pod or you can just send us an email workingmanspod at gmail.com yep that's about it for us thank you guys dave thank you to you for staying basically at work late so that you could have what you thought would be more stable wi-fi and better audio experience for our fans um next time we'll get it just exactly right <laughs> and on that note we will bid you good night that's it that's it you got it